Blog Talk Radio.
Well, good morning. It is Sunday morning in the Word, and the Lord truly is our salvation, and for that we are delighted to be able to share God's Word again um, on the Word of God. Now, I am going to begin another division of teaching. It is going to be uh, rather in-depth in the in the in the uh, in the discussion, and I don't want you to get lost in the sauce, if you will. Uh, we may highlight some scriptures um, today, but I want to make certain that I get some uh, uh, get somewhere um, in the spirit uh, as far as the topic that I'm I'm going to be discussing, and this is just the intro. And I want you to follow me through this particular division of study. We are still studying the overcoming way. And so let's pray and let's get right into the lesson. As we um, engage into a new division, theology for warfare. Theology for warfare. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Lord, this is the day that you have made me rejoice on the ground. But you thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do mean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we be pray. Praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, originally when I established the teaching and the discussion of the overcoming wave, the concept derived from this very vast set of teachings, which I wanted to do, and my heart beat, in the Holy Spirit was to was to really provoke us to engage spiritual depth in developing a God logic, a God logic, which we call theology. And so originally the, the title of the entire series was Overcomers Theology. But what I found out was there that, that is more than just a theory, is more than just a logic behind it. It is a way of life. And because it is the way that we overcome, we overcome the world, uh, we overcome sin, and we overcome by faith. Why? Because it is a greater way that we have been given that I changed the title from the overcoming theology to overcoming way. And we understand that way must have wit. Way must always have wit. And so we still need theology. We need a lot of a logic behind the legs to our walk of faith. And so um, it is our goal to affirm the pursuits of knowing God more intimately. You know, when we talk about knowledge, it is an intimate acquaintance with the subject matter at hand. It's not just an appreciation or observance or the know-how you know. when, when you use, um, especially when it comes to revelation knowledge that you are here in a Christian culture, you will hear the, 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 the connotation and the concept behind that is an intimacy that is awakened through knowing God. 
and, and, and it be, being the thrust of why you serve him more faithfully. So it is our goal to awaken core values. See, in our discussion, in our logic, it should be the legs of our faith, but it should lead us to core values that we have that anchor us in time that are contrary to the, to the themes and the concepts of God. And it is that it is that which uh, those core values that establish our conviction of the advantages that we have as a result of establishing God's word as authority. Not I always say final authority because at the end of the day, God's rule and God's word should reign supreme. When He finished speaking to your heart, and when He says something for you to do. Your will and your life should comply by saying, amen, so let it be, you know. And so and when, I was, when I was giving this in the midterm of, of, uh, of the time that I was teaching this, I knew that this was going to be one of those subjects that you just uh, don't preach over the pulpit, but you do have in the in the in the library of your soul, in the library of your soul searching, um, you keep this type of um, thing, especially uh, this is this is good teaching to review when you're really rethinking uh, where you're at spiritually. And every few years you need to have a time and a space in your life where you evaluate, okay, is the exercising of my, of my expression of, of what I believe working for me? Is it producing the results in which I hear or observe in the scripture, in which I hear among those of like precious faith? Is it, is it working? Is it working? And if there is no logic behind it and no system behind it, then it will remain as aloof and vague, irrelevant as it is in many of the lives of people that claim faith. Um, there's a, a teaching that I'm coming out with um, on the family next year that's really going to take us to another level as a as an organization and also as a as a broadcast. Um, the insights and stuff in which the Holy Spirit has impressed upon me, um, has really sparked a, 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 a real evalu- evaluation, a deep-seated evaluation of effective means to, to, to really embody those things that will be undeniable proof. Because, see, any time we profess our faith without proof, it's faith. Faith of our works is dead. Uh, but the proof is in its it's, it's ability to transform and translate our life into what we see the scriptures say is possible for us. If the, but if the scriptures hold no weight, then there will be no core conviction. So the word overcome is a, is a presented in the scripture eight times in the Old Testament, 22 times in the New Testament, mostly used in Revelation, which is powerful, 11 times and five times in the book. First John, First John is where we overcome the world and we overcome by faith. 
And of course, we learned that there was another declaration of overcoming, and that is overcoming sin. Of course, we've highlighted that in, in that. And so, what I want to do is awaken theology for warfare. We talked about theology and the importance of theology as it comes to advancing the theology through overcoming. That if you're going to say, I'm weak, I am going to overcome, it's going to be as a result of, of you having a revelation from God, a reflection on those things in which you've been taught and what you believe at the end of the day, and then a resolve to act out on those things which you know are are the will of God so you can see God's will come to pass in your life. It is in our reflection, our, our revelations, and our resolves that we, 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 we um, counteract um, um, the oppositions and the opposition forces that uh, present itself to stop us from connecting with God more intimately. And God is not intimidated through an academic quest, it is often when we set aside a discipline. And, of course, anytime you look at a theology or ology, it's a study, and a study involves a certain disciplinary approach to a subject. And, and some of us in the body of Christ, we just need to have a disciplined approach. You know, and, and some of us, we... we we, you know, you have a lot of people that don't believe in getting involved in the wording behind this. They don't want to use the concept of theology because that's uh, for people that go to school or seminary and uh, they'll make it in conflict with the spirit or they'll make it in conflict with social norms, that that is a, a rigid and a, a rugged way of looking at how to shape your world. And so then you have, you have secular theology in which it's inserted in the educational program, where it is actually uh, really, the, if you can make it through the brainwashing and the and the and the the the, um, the conflicts and the reasonable doubts that are infused in the lessons uh, and the lectures of, of secular professors, they will they will they will try to beat against your religion and question and and probe you so that you second-guess what you believe, and they call that a theological process. But you need a theo in theology, and it has to be God, and God is spirit. And so at the end of the day, when you, when you go after studying God, you need to really indulge in what it means to be led by the spirit of God, to hear the spirit of God, to have a spiritual awakening in your soul that says, I'm alive, I can hear. I am one of them that hears what the Spirit has to say to the church. So in that, we, we know that things happen. We are exposed to light and truth. And through that exposure to light and truth, through experiences and encounters and, and high regard, we, we, we know that those truths will make us what we don't have. And when we don't have what we know we should have, 
because there's a bondage or something that sets in. That's why the truth makes us free. Right, but not only that, it expands our biblical worldview. Meaning, does the Bible have a place in the world? Does the Bible have a place in our world, in our space and time? Then also, an evolutionary effect to a spirit-led life. Now, in in dealing with with theology. And I told you it requires reflection, revelation, and resolve. We understand that there are attacks. Um, the attacks are often logical fallacies, uh, lack of knowledge, you know, um, uh, a low, a low uh, contextual integrity. What do I mean by that? Meaning, not only do you you might know the scripture. But you don't know how to place the big picture in proper place. I mean, you some people they appreciate the past, so they keep everything as past tense, have done, never can be done again. God, uh, God can never translate uh, or fly us or make us alive in the spirit. It's just something that we regard and appreciate in times of old, and so they build their logic behind God of God of what He did. And and they hope and pray that he will do something with them in their time today, and so it becomes an appreciation, a more of a formal appreciative uh, form. You find that highly in Calvinism and Lutheranism, and you know those forms of theology um, where the Protestant movement really uh, latched on to, and um, even in formal evangelicalism. Um, evangelicalism, where the fundamentals of, of of what they coined their their faith as far as grace and atonement and, and, and uh, sufficiency is translated solely as a thing of the past, not really um, something that really transforms us and is tangible and substantive today. And I could go into that dialogue and and really. Uh, that's something that you need to go to school for. If you're, especially if you're a minister, you need to have some theological training. You need to know what Calvinism taught, what uh, what Martin Luther did with the Protestant Reformation. You need to know those. Uh, the, I even know that there's a there's a missing link, but it is also a relevant link to the spiritual renewal, or charismatic renewal that took place place in the early 1920s that you need to know about that uh, really translated and changed the power of why we think about God and how God affects us in time and space today. That's what I mean by God logic. When you go to seek those, the Bible says, those that seek me, find me. And in, and in theology, one of the things that I wrote in my notes today, that one of the simplest biblically-based Theological systems revealed in Scripture that you can that you can build upon is three basic scriptures: study to show yourself approved under God, study to show yourself approved under God, Second um, Timothy two fifteen, and then the Scripture tells you to seek the Lord while He may be found, call on Him while He is near, Isaiah fifty five six. All these are either prophetic or apostolic addresses, and then of course 
sanctifying the Lord God in your heart, always ready to give an answer. You can only give an answer when you have the answer. So in our studying and our seeking and in our sanctification, we come up with a, 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 a complex that crafts our theology. You get what I'm saying? Our God logic. What, what we said is leaped off of the pages to our provoking our soul to awaken to a contact with the Spirit of God to produce a separation that only God or an encounter that only God can give, which separates our hearts completely to him and then transform the reality as we see it to that very image that we have in our heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, so theology has five things that it's set to do. It's set to alter your life through the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. Not, trans, not conform, but transform. Anytime you encounter God, there's an awakening that comes up in your mind. I will write the laws on your hearts and in your minds, Hebrews 10 says. Right? Hebrews 8 um, says. So, I will, and you will be unto me a people, and I will be to you God. That's theology. That's what the Hebrew writer was writing when he was, when he was proving the superiority of Christ over the law, Christ over the past, Christ in the present and the future at the time. What was the relevancy? Because, see, though in those days God spoke by the prophets, but today he's speaking through his son. Now, this is some 40, 50 years after Jesus had already ascended to the right hand of the Father. So they didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know uh, who, was, who was on the forefront, who was on the forefront. And now that, that same deliberation concludes of Christ being the source of the covenant which still exists in our times today. And that, and that core in Christ, that, that Christ factor resides on the inside of us and awakens us to who God really is. Glory to God. I get excited about it because it alters our thought life through the renewing of the mind and it answers soul-searching questions through deliberation with the Holy Spirit. And that's what where the Holy Spirit was introduced to us, when Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to us, he introduced the Holy Spirit as a guide, as a fulfillment of what he left off, that what, when we could not speak to the, uh, <coughs> our Lord and Savior <coughs> physically, because he would be on the right hand of the, Father, of the Father making intercession, we would have a communion with the Holy Spirit, an encounter a meal, a table of mercy, a, a place in which we can dream from the things in which Jesus still had to say. He still had things to say, but didn't have time to, to communicate it because he had a greater work to do off the earth. And so it is through those soul-searching questions and deliberation with the Holy Spirit that we, we advance, we advance in, in this overcoming mentality. And all mentalities need a source of logic. 
Um, anybody who studies the mind understands there has to be a core, a core place. That core place is found in the spirit. The natural man cannot obtain the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. Neither can he know them, the scripture says. And so that's why we we really talk about theology when it pertains to uh, developing a relationship with God or exemplifying Christian standards in a culture that's contrary to the will of God. When, when we when we talk about the yeah, let's 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 get our thinking right and let's let's be on one accord and of one mind. We're, we're not saying that the, the, for religious jargon, but we understand that the only way that you can create the change that is needed to see your conversion in reality is through not conforming to the to the patterns and the fashions of this world. And the only way you're not going to be able to conform to the patterns and the fashions of this world is you have a core in the inside of your soul that is affixed on achieving God that overcomes the world, that overcomes sin, and overcomes by faith. Okay. And if that's not discussed, that's why you can hear, we shall overcome and never experience the uh, clarion call. Put a five-year-old in front of a black and white screen of a TV uh, showing Martin Luther King without saying his name and watching the people march up the street singing We Shall Overcome and see that they will not connect to the reality and the, the actual uh, events in the history that shape the freedoms of our present, especially an African-American child. They look on that screen that's black and white of people in times past and people of present that are old, and they cannot connect because the, the, the song of overcoming and the reality that they've overcome has never been introduced to them because they have not experienced it for themselves. They have not experienced it. So they're looking at a black and white picture of people singing, we shall overcome. And many people in the church are looking at that same black and white picture, clueless of how close it was to the present. We're looking at black and white pictures. And God wants to qualify them and colorize them through the spirit, through the, the, the awakening force of his nature inside of us at work uh, that, makes, that makes what we read come to life, come to relevance. When we say come to life, we're really saying come to relevance, coming to a place where we're saying this is not just some rhetoric that we've learned and mastered with memory. This is something that has changed the very nature and course of our lives. So not only does it answer the soul questions through delivery through the spirit, it awakens awareness to prophetic agenda and strategy. God has a plan. God has a big picture. God has a path for us to walk on. And if we're going to find that plan, that picture, and that path, we're going to have to come to God 
and approach God boldly. Boldly. And engage the quality. Now, we engage grace not to make excuses for why we are inadequate, accepted, and atoned for. But we look, we, we look at grace as an advancement to adapt us to the nature of God and then to empower us uh, to exemplify what is acceptable to God because grace keeps us from falling. Yeah, I know it's a little weighty, but that's, this is what this teaching is for. Everything can not always in the church and in the church connotation be ministered to people that just are just getting accepting Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. There's going to have to be a bridge to the next dimension in understanding. And right now we have a church that's trying to exemplify maturity with, with, a, with biblical literacy at an all-time low where people don't know their ABCs of spirituality. They don't know the perfecting process. They don't know... The, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, they don't know the manifestations of the Spirit that comes to profit with all. They don't know the actualization of the kingdom of God in our life, so they just go to church. Ultimately, number four, it is to adapt us to the kingdom of God in character, conduct, and conviction. The kingdom of God is a system. It's a solvent and his voice superior to the world. Now, advanced living is number five, advanced living out of faith practically, publicly, and prophetically, because ultimately we need to know a just man lives by faith. Faith is what pleases God, and it's through faith that we understand how God operates in the world. Through faith we understand that the world is refrained by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made by the things which do appear. We have to have this study study mode that, that awakens true seeking, and then we will see how to place this in our lives and separate things for God and God alone. So biblically, biblically, we see that studying, seeking, and sanctification helps create our theology. And then those things that also answer, awaken, adapt, and advance us comes as a result of our studying, seeking, and sanctifying God in our hearts. Now, theology should be achieved in light of overcoming through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I say you don't build theology without the Holy Spirit. A lot of people believe that you can develop logic without God, not true knowledge, not concrete knowledge, because concrete knowledge uh, hinges on you adapting to truth, you accepting truth as norm. And the truth that is acceptable to God is himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except by him. So Jesus serves as the standard of truth. It becomes absolute because he's eternal. He's, he's effectual. He is, is, he is empowering. We embrace the power that he wrought on Calvary, that raised Christ from the dead and dwells in our mortal body. It brings us to life in him. Life in Christ then becomes what is. Is that motivation, that passion, that, that fervor that causes us to have some things take place in our life. 
and this is what we mean, theology. Quick definition, God logic, the study of God. The study of God as it relates to humanity, the study of God as it relates to other entities as well. It should have a system, but often it doesn't have a system because whether we take time to investigate how, how theology works, we have a theology whether we like it or not. So a lot of people, they develop their theology through a, a, just a awakening to the awakening of a conscience. Others have an academic ambition, which, um, which you know, and then, and then ultimately, if we don't do that, even atheism is a form of theology because then it's a rejection of God. And in order to reject God, you have to take time to examine why you rejected him. And that process in itself is a reflection on God, and that becomes a theology. So in order to reject God, you need God. Lord, have mercy. So um, in overcoming through the power of the Holy Spirit, in overcoming through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is scholastic achievement. Because I want to emphasize in this last few minutes on theology. See, there's a wealth of knowledge that is gleaned from studying the scripture. And of course, of course, you know, theology uh, is um, choirs. Let me say this, and I, and I put this in our original notes at the beginning, that theology is not a is not a Bible school. It's not attending Bible school or going to seminary. The theology is a self-pursuit um, that is an understanding first to develop the knowledge and the nature of God and to divine the, the, the disciplines and the practices of faith. We can only do that through observing the Scripture because the Scripture introduces us to faith. Theologies are not theoretical. Theologies are not, not only explored ideas about God, but it also defines how we best adapt to what we discover in him practically. That means what does it take? When we see that God requires certain things, we start doing what he said. That translates our love for him. That love becomes that love that awakens our connection to God. As well as theology is not necessarily, um, is not necessarily to be a Christian. It is impossible to be a person of, of faith and claim you don't have theology. Because at some point you've studied or you've come up with some conclusions of who God is and how he works for you. Because all of these things are attained by faith. So in theology is revelation of redemption, revelation of righteousness, revelation of reconciliation. And those 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 uh processes help us help us come to to this scholastic achievement. That's number one. So we got three things that I want to really hone in on and um, uh, uh, use as a guide for our theology. Now, this is just an intro to theolo theology as it pertains to warfare. Now, I'm going to answer, I'm going to spin with the question that will be the basis of the next two lessons, okay, because I want you to have an understanding because in all you're getting, you should get an understanding. You should know what theology is when we're talking about overcoming because that is a mentality that requires a logic. If you don't have a logic of overcoming in your soul, you will not overcome. You will sing it, but you'll never see it. 
and God wants you to see it. He wants you to experience it. He not only wants you to say it. Anybody can say something and never see it. But he wants you to see it. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to to, to embrace it. All right? Now, so scholastic achievement. What do I mean by that? In the wealth and the, and the knowledge um, gleaned from the Holy Spirit, there are weights of the competency of the scriptures, a contextual integrity. What do I mean by contextual integrity? A setting. The context is the setting behind which the text takes place. But we say text in the scripture because there are a lot of statements that are written in the scripture, and we call those statements text. Okay, just like we write a text or something like that. But at the same time, we know that the scripture says, the letter killeth, but the spirit give life. It is the spirit of God that brings life to the text. And the life to the text is what we learn from the scripture. That's why someone can look at the scripture with no life and not get what we get from the scripture because we have life. It's the authority of the spirit and the authority of the scriptures that gives us contextual integrity and contemporary transformation. So when I say scholastic achievement, when you go to study the word of God, when you allow studying and seeking and sanctification to take place in your heart, as a mode for getting in contact with God, you will have a scholastic achievement. You will have competency of the scripture, contextual integrity, contemporary transformation. Secondly, you will have spiritual maturity. Now, ultimately, this is what all theology should have. If you say, hey, I got, I got, you don't really talk like, oh, I got theology. Generally, you know, it's a preacher's conversation when they're in school. They're required to take systematic theology, and they take anthology, putinomaly, um, hermeneutics, homiletics, and different, uh, d- different topics, which all stem from this, what do we know about God? How do we make what we know about God reality? That's, that's what we're answering all the time. And so when they go to school, they're forced to do it in order to really uh, get, you know, you really need the transformation of the mind, the renewal of the mind. And this is what the, the, the apostles wrote about. They knew that you, in order for the experiences to really awaken in your, in your life, you're going to have to uh, develop the mindset that it takes to possess this. In confidence, because you'll never profess it in confidence if it hasn't transformed your mind. It doesn't work for you, it won't work for others. And so you've got a lot of people, they, they'll rather say nothing because they are experiencing nothing. But when you are experiencing the presence of God, when you're experiencing the power of God, when you're experiencing the peace of God, it is impossible to be quiet and to sit on it. Because you know God has done something that no other person could do, that no other reading a book could never do. Turning pages in a passage could never replace the experiences and the encounters that you have with God. Now, I got five minutes. I got to hurry up, and I got a, a lot more to cover. And I can do this. Got four minutes. All right. Now, spiritual maturity is enlightenment from the nature of Christ enhanced insights on the prophetic agenda of the ages and an enforcement of spiritual resolves for practice and implementation. God wants you to perform things. And then thirdly, simplistic conviction. 
Clear-cut points that lead to directed steps. Clear-cut points that lead to directed steps. When I say this, you want scholastic achievement, spiritual maturity, and simplistic conviction. Clear-cut points that lead to directed steps. Convictions developed by the directors of the Holy Spirit and correction in righteousness. Okay, so that's what I want you to remember. What does the Holy Spirit um, use to the power to overcome for us to achieve it in in, in, in our lives, he uses scholastic achievement, spiritual maturity, and simplistic conviction. Because if you cannot be, see, he says in the scripture in John 16 and, and John 15, it qualifies the things that the Holy Spirit will convict. He will convict the world because of sin, but he will convict the believer or those who are saved because of righteousness. Glory to God. Anyway, now, we have patterns in the scripture that we develop when extending our theology. And I call them the B attitudes. We have to be we have to be systematic in spiritual study habits. So it has to leap uh, it has to leap from stipulated times, sessions with seasoned seasoned um, mothers and fathers of the faith, and then it also has to be developed through specific library structures and uh, resources. You got to develop a system. Number two, you got to be selective about how you build on that theology. Because there are systems and institutions that are set to contradict everything that you claim you believe. And so if you don't develop a belief system and a habit for and a discipline of how you personally believe, someone else will be shaping and someone else could be wrong. So trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the God within. Trust the power of God to work on your behalf to show you what's right and wrong. So at the end of the day, when you close your eyes and you stand before God, you can have confidence that, Lord, what you shared with me, what I've known in my heart to believe, I've acted on what I believe, and I've seen your word come to pass in my life. I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, I feel like preaching and I can't. Now, we also have to be selective of how we build upon our belief, but then also, thirdly, we have to be spiritually guided. Again, I'm, I'm emphasizing the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> By authorizing the Holy Spirit, he, he, he then can effectuate our reality. By adapting to the lifestyles devoted to this discipleship, we then can see the patterns of why Christ did what he did, and it will be easily to do what he does and greater because we know what he knows. And then we also allow discernment to be developed from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because because we know that it is the Holy Spirit that has been sent to lead and guide us into the truth. Now, that gives the, the, the basis of theology which we must all build upon. Now, the question of the day, which I want to end with, is what does theology have to do with warfare? What does theology have to do with warfare? What does theology have to do with warfare? And I don't have a minute left to answer. So you have to join me next lesson, and we continue this discussion on theology for warfare. What does this have to do with warfare? Where does the concept of warfare exist? And that's where I wanted to go in our scriptures today. And you can note this one scripture. Uh, uh, I think it's Corinthians. Yeah, 